Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Amen, amen. Keep on standing. We're going to stand while we read this word. All the glory, all the praise, all means that there's nothing left. He poured out all, all of it on him. It doesn't matter if 2019 wasn't a good year. He is worthy of your praise. We're going to be in Psalm 121 today. So get that up on the screen, your iPad, your iPhone, your Android, whatever it is you are using today. We're going to be in that passage of scripture. I will read the first verse, and y'all can pick up and read all the way through the eighth verse. We're going to do the whole psalm today. It says, I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? title this message today in a few moments I'm with you understanding God's help understanding God's help let's pray oh Lord my help this word has been transforming lives long before I was born I am nothing I like the postal worker is just a delivery person. I didn't write it, but I can get in the way. And so, Lord, I pray that you would move me out of the way. I pray that I would bring this message from you to your people. Would you do all the work, O Lord? Because only you can. Only you can change hearts. Only you can lift up your son in such a way that people are drawn to him. So would that happen in these next few minutes? Would your people be changed, me included, by your matchless word? You can be, you can be seated. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a baby girl. Beautiful baby girl. Her name was Hope. And in this story, Hope is seven days old. And like most parents with a seven-day-old, her parents are absolutely exhausted. And the, the story happens in the middle of the night. They are asleep. Mommy is there in the bed. Daddy's there in the bed. And Hope is right next to them in the bassinet, fast asleep. And the, the name Hope came about after much prayer and discussion between the parents. And they named this 
little girl hope because it was such a hopeful time in their life. Their marriage was going well. They had plenty of money, a lot of savings. Careers were going well. Everything seemed so bright. Everything seemed so hopeful. And said, the Lord has given us another child. This was their second child. Let's name her Hope. Because it speaks to what God has been doing in and through us in this time. And so seven days after Hope is born, we see the scene where they're all asleep. About two in the morning. But this night would be a dark night. A trying night. Because as mommy and daddy are sleeping, something happens in the bassinet. Hope, like many babies, spits up a little bit. Happens often. But this time, it doesn't all come up. Some of it gets stuck. And her passages are blocked. And she, she can't breathe. And so she's, she's struggling. And every now and again, she can get a little air in. And so mommy, as mommies do, even though she's fast asleep, she can sense something isn't quite right with hope. So she wakes up and she looks over and she sees that she's messy. And she says, oh, let me clean her up. And so she cleans her up. She thinks that's all that's needed to be done. But she looks closer at Hope and she picks her up and the baby's eyes are open. But there's fear in those little eyes. Because Hope is struggling to breathe. For the first time in her young life, she knows fear. Because she can't breathe. And that fear spreads to her mother and her mother is patting her on the back. And she's looking at her to see if it's working. And nothing is working. Hope is continuing to struggle to breathe. And so her mom pats over to her and says, Get up, get up, something's wrong. Hope can't breathe. So he wakes up and he says, Let me try. And he takes her. And he pats her on the back. And he's doing everything in his power to get the seven-day-old baby to breathe. And they are desperate. They name their baby Hope. But at this moment, they have none. Because their child is dying. What do they do? What do you say to these parents with their baby dying in their arms? What does God have to say in a situation like that? Can you, can you sympathize with them? Have you ever been helpless? Have you ever been in a position where you are desperate for help and there is nothing you can do? Where all your efforts have failed but the need is still present and urgent? What do you do? That's what this psalm is about. This psalm is an answer to those parents. It is an answer to you and me when we struggle in moments of helplessness. Because that experience is common. If it hasn't happened to you, it's, it's going to. You will experience many moments throughout your life when you realize, I can't fix this. I need some help. So this psalm is God's answer, this ancient song of worship. It is a song of ascents. And what that means is that the pilgrims would go three or four times a year to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is on a hill. And so as they are walking, you can think even of Jesus and his parents walking up to Jerusalem. As they are walking, they see Jerusalem on the hill, and they begin to sing songs of worship. 
as they ascend the hill towards Jerusalem. This psalm is such a song. We don't know who wrote it. There's no author here. We don't know anything about the situation that caused it. All we know is that it talks about help. That it is the song of a moment of worship, but it speaks to many moments. The moments where we feel helpless. And it gives us an answer. What do you do? What do you feel? What happens when you feel helpless? What is God's answer to you, Christian? Let's look at verse 1. The psalmist says, this, this author we don't know, says, I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? When I began to study this, I, I was like, is something missing here? Because there, there is no situation. There, there is no explanation of why is this person looking for help. There is no crisis that it describes. No time of danger that is explained. It simply just starts off, where will my help come from? And as I looked closely at this and as I prayed, the Lord pointed out to me that that is the point. Because what this reveals to us about understanding God's help is that we are fundamentally in need of it. It is not the situation that causes you to need God's help. That makes you aware of your need. It brings it more present to your attention. But the moment before the emergency, you are just as dependent on his help as you are in it. Hope needed God before the emergency. You need God before your crisis. The cry for help is a cry from our very nature. We need help. We look for help. Because that is what we are. We are those who are made by God to be dependent on God. And so the psalmist says, without any situation, without any emergency, without any crisis, where will my help come from? Because I know that I need help. We delude ourselves to think that we are independent. Particularly in the West where we're a little comfortable. I got some money in the bank. I got a nice job. I got some clothes. But don't let the things around you confuse you. You are dependent. You are in need. And these situations, they cause us to become aware of the reality that we are in desperate, constant need of God's help. It is inescapable. In verse 2, the psalmist answers his or her own question. I don't know who wrote it. It says, my help comes from the Lord. The psalmist, the second thing is that you have to acknowledge the true source of your help. First, you've got to know that you are by nature in need of it. But second, you've got to acknowledge where it comes from. It says, my help comes from the Lord. Now, what's interesting about this is that the help comes from outside of the psalmist. It comes from outside of you or I. And that, that sounds good. It, you, you might want to clap. My help comes from the Lord. That's good news. But the reality of that is that because God is a person, 
that he is the one that decides what your help looks like. Your help coming from the Lord doesn't mean you get to decide what it looks like. Acknowledging God as the source of your help means you're trusting him. You're saying, God, I'm dependent on you. God, I'm reliant on you. And God, I know that I don't decide what it looks like. My help comes from the Lord. It's designed by him, chosen by him. The timing of it comes from him. The way it looks comes from him. How long it takes for to arrive for you comes from him. Are you okay with that? Because look here, he says, my help comes from the Lord. In your Bibles, that's probably capitalized. And the reason why it's capitalized is because it's referring to the proper name of God. Yahweh. The I am that I am. Look with me briefly where God introduces himself to see how help works. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 the Lord introduces himself and he comes down and he appears to Moses in this burning bush. And he says to Moses, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings and I have come down to rescue them. Their help was coming from the Lord. Further down is where he introduces himself as Yahweh. He gives them that name, the I am that I am. Tell them that Yahweh sent you. And so in Psalm 121, the psalmist is saying, it's that God, this delivering God who saved us from slavery. That's the one my help comes from. But even in this moment, in God's own words, what does he say that they have been going through? Misery. Suffering. For 400 years, they were in slavery. I don't know about you, but I would have wanted help to show up on the first day. And so the Lord shows up. He is their help, but he decided how it looked. People died and struggled. Did God stop being their help? Isn't that how we feel when he doesn't show up when he want him to? I don't know about you, but I got, I got some side helps that I run to sometimes. Just keeping it real. I have a hard day. And though I should cry out to the Lord, I come home and I just want to veg out. I want to watch some Netflix and just forget about the day. But if I'm honest, that's a help for me. That's me pulling on something else to comfort me. What the psalmist is saying is that your help doesn't come from Netflix. It doesn't come from vegging out. It doesn't come from retail therapy or whatever your thing is. The true source of your help is the Lord. He is the one you must turn to. But you have to realize he decides what it looks like. Because God is a person. He's not your genie. He decides, but he is a help. He does come through. He might deliver you from the trial or he might strengthen you through it. Either way, he is your help. And so the psalmist says, my help comes from the Lord. Nowhere else. He is the source. And you should not 
take this to mean that God does not use various means. I'll give you an example in that situation with Hope, the parents frantically seeking help, called 911. And they sent the paramedics. And one of the things the paramedics did when they came is they brought a, a, an oxygen tank and they connected to that tank a little mask because she was so tiny. And that little mask was put over her face and they were trying to get some oxygen because every now and again she would get a breath in and they wanted as much oxygen in that breath as possible. But that mask, apart from the tank, didn't do anything. The reason why the mask was helpful is because it was connected to a source of oxygen. God uses various means, various ways of delivering his help. But he is the source. Don't worship masks. Don't call money your help. Your job's not your help. Your husband or your wife is not your help. God may use, I'm not your help. The Lord is your help. Your help comes from the Lord. He is the one who delivers. He is the one who is the source of strength. He goes on, he says, this one is not only my help, he is the maker of heaven and earth. Now that's good news. Because what he's saying is that this one, this maker is not only my individual help, he is the help for everything. The Jews didn't have a single word for universe. This phrase, heaven and earth, is cosmic in scope. It's saying everything that exists, all the planets, all the stars, every speck of dust, the people, the bugs, everything, all that came from God. The maker of heaven and earth is my help. That's the one that is my source. And I, I acknowledge him as my source, regardless of whatever means he uses. Let me finish the story, because actually the story is a family story. Hope is the middle name of my second daughter, Clara. And at that night, when she was seven days old, it was Ruth and I holding Clara, watching her die in our arms, seeing the fear in her eyes, and praying, crying, Lord, will, where will my help come from? And I can remember the paramedics were there, and. They gave us the, 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 the oxygen tank and we're, we're doing everything in our power to try to get her to breathe. We couldn't do anything. They couldn't do anything. They're just standing there because what else can we do? And so the ambulance arrives and, and we're sitting on the couch and holding her and I'm doing everything in my power and I'm putting, I'm praying, I'm like, Lord, help her, help her, help her. And I'm, breathe, baby, breathe. And I wrap her up in the, in the ambulance, and Ruth says, the ambulance is here, let's get her to the hospital. So I wrap her up, and I hand her to Ruth, and she runs out our front door, and she gets to the ambulance. It may have taken her 20 or 30 seconds. And she unwraps her, because the person in the ambulance is there, and she's like, I want you to help her. And she unwraps her, and Clara is fast asleep. Her color has come back. She's not crying. Our help came from the Lord. He could have used the mask, he didn't. Could have used us, he didn't. 
could have used the paramedic. He didn't. He decided, I'm going to show you where your help comes from. My help came that night. And so the day after Christmas, when we celebrated Clara's sixth birthday, I look at her and I say, my help comes from the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. The psalmist goes on. And there's an interesting transition that happens in verse 3. And it continues all the way through verse 8. Because if, if you look closely, you will see that there's a difference here. He says, he will not allow your foot to slip. He goes on, your protector. The Lord protects you. The, the sun will not strike you by day. He keeps going. But if you look at verse 1 and 2, in contrast, he says, I lift, my help comes, right, in verse 1 and verse 2. There's a transition that happens in verse 3 from just my individual experience of God's help to now I'm talking to somebody else. Now I'm saying the one who helped me can help you too. Your experience of God's help is not just for you. As Paul says in Corinthians, we comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received. And so from verse 3 through 8, the psalmist is giving us reasons and ways to trust God. But what's interesting is it's not even based on their own experience. He doesn't say, trust God because he helped me. Everything in verse 3 through 8 is about the nature of God. Because to be honest with you, I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know what your help will look like. He saved my Clara, but he may not save yours. I don't know. And so I can encourage you based on my story, but I must ground your trust in God, in who God is, in his character, in his ways, so that you will trust him to help you in the way that he decides best. I can't give you false hope. I've got to give you the real God. And so the psalmist does this in verse 3 through 8. He speaks outward and he says, he will not allow your foot to slip. Speaking about the sense of stability that God provides. But why? He says, your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. Well, that's interesting. I had to look up the word slumber. I was like, what is slumber? And what's interesting about this is the psalmist is using this phrase to reiterate something about God. And what the psalmist is trying to get us to see is that God is strong and he never weakens because the slumber is to get a little drowsy, right? And so he's saying, not only does God not sleep, he doesn't even get drowsy. He's that bad. At no moment does he weaken a little bit. He's strong right now. He was strong yesterday. And he's going to be strong tomorrow. No matter the time you come to him for help, he will always be strong. He will never get drowsy. He will never get tired. He will never weaken. You can pull on him and pull on him and pull on him and pull some more. Because he does not weaken. Of what can you say that? You got a lot of money? When you spend it, you have less. 
You got a lot of friends? You keep pulling on them and see what happens. But of God, He never slumbers. He never sleeps. The vastness of His power is available to help you. And He never runs out. He's the well that never runs dry. But yet we wrestle with that. Because we don't like the fact that he decides what it looks like. In Jeremiah, God says to his people, he says, my people have forsaken the fountain of living water. And done what? Hewn out cisterns for themselves that cannot sustain them. Though God is our help, though he never weakens, though you can pull and pull and pull, we find other sources. Because we don't like the taste of the water sometimes. Because he decides what your help looks like. You're dealing with a person, not just some random force. It's not witchcraft where you design your own help. You come to him and you receive from him help, but he decides what it looks like. The question on the floor is, do you trust him? He's going to help you, but do you trust him? Do you accept his help? Do you revel in the fact that this one is my help? And though he slay me, yea, will I trust him. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. He continues on in verse 5 to give us even more reasons to trust him. If his strength isn't enough for you, let me give you another reason. He said, the Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. I love this one. Because I got another middle of the night story. About two years ago, fast asleep, something about the nighttime. And I woke up and there was a, a, a pain in my abdomen. And it had happened before and I was like, oh, you know, it'll go away. Maybe I ate something or, you know, I'm allergic to something, whatever, it'll go away. But as I'm up and I'm moving around, it's like, this ain't going away. It's getting worse getting worse, getting worse. So about 4 a.m. I said, yeah, I think I need to give up and go to the hospital. But when I made that decision, I was in excruciating pain. And I would have done anything to have help right there. But I had to travel. Somebody had to come to my house, pick me up, and drive me over bumpy roads in pain to the hospital. What the psalmist is saying is God's help isn't like that. His help is right here, right close. When you're in need, you ain't got to go nowhere. His help is right by your side. If you travel over here, his help is by your side. You travel over here, his help is by your side. You keep on going, his help is by your side. You can't escape his help. He's a shelter right by your side, as David says in Psalm 139. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. My God is a help right by your side. I ask you again, of what can you say that? Who else is so close? 
that you don't even have to run to the help. It's just there before you need it. See, the Lord protects you. This God is so good that he's not only strong, but he's close. He's near. He's right by your side. You can't get away from his help. That's good news when you need help. That's good news when your baby is dying in your arms. But our God is a shelter right by your side. He's ever accessible to us. All you got to do is cry out. And I say again, of what can you say that? Because I'm not your help. Your family ain't your help. I'm going to slumber and sleep. I'm not available all the time. But God is always right by your side. He continues in verse 6, in the first part of verse 7, to give us reasons to trust in this God. Ways to understand his help. He says in verse 6, The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. What he's saying here is that God's protection is comprehensive. Because if you think about the sun, if you're on the, planet of the, the surface of the planet, the sun touches everywhere. The moon touches everywhere. If you're walking around, you're going to get touched by the sun or touched by the moon at nighttime. And so the psalmist is using that as an example to say, harm is like that. There's so much harm all around coming at you constantly that it's like the sun and the moon. It's just coming down. But what he's saying is God's covering is so complete. There are no gaps. There are no holes. That when he covers you, it's, not, it's like the sunlight can't even get through. I used to travel a good bit in my last job, and I, I would often, when I get, got to where I was going, I, one of the first things I'd do was turn on my phone, right? Back then, you couldn't have cell phones on and on airplanes. I would open it up, and very often, it would say, no service. I'm like, ah, man, they go my cell phone coverage again, right? There are, we cannot trust in everything. But you will never, ever reach out for God, and it'll say no coverage. He's always at five bars. They're always covered. The sun and the moon can't even get through. His coverage is comprehensive. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. In verse 8, he, he comes to this, this conclusion. He says, the Lord will protect your coming and going both now and forever. So in verse 3 and 4, he's saying that you can trust God because he doesn't weaken. In verse 5, he's saying you can trust him because he's accessible to you all the time. In verse 6 and 7, he's saying you can trust him because his coverage is comprehensive. There's no gaps in it. But in verse 8, he's saying it's timeless, both now and forever. I, had a, I have a crab allergy, and so I carry an EpiPen. And a couple years ago, I picked up my EpiPen just to check it, and it said, expired. And I was like, oh. And I had to go get a new one. Because the timeline on that help had expired. God's help ain't like an EpiPen. 
There will never come a moment when he will run out of help for you. It doesn't expire. He doesn't grow old. You can always trust him now and forever. This second and the next second and the next second forever. You are protected. You are covered. And it's not even affected by distance. He says, you will protect your coming and your going. There is nowhere you can go. And so the psalmist is giving us all these reasons to trust in this God. To don't turn to these false helps. There is no one stronger. There is nothing stronger. You always need a refill or another hit, another shopping trip, another thing. But with God, that's it. I'm your help. He's ever accessible. He never gets tired of hearing from you. You can weep all the day and night long and he'll still be right there to listen. Still be right there to help you. You will never escape his coverage. Even if you run from him, he still covers you. And it will be timeless. From now and forever, he will always be your help. You will never outgrow your dependence on him. But all of these wonderful assurances, all of these calls to trust in this God should create a question for you. Why? Do you take it for granted that God treats you this way? Don't you wonder, how could this be? The reason why this is true the reason why this God is your help, though you are his enemy, is because he dealt with your sin. That his help went so far as to send his son and to take your sin, which should have separated you from his help, and put it on his son. And the God who is a consuming fire poured out his wrath on Jesus. And in that moment, the red carpet was opened up for your help. That is why. That is why it is true that my help comes from the Lord. That is why I can lay claim to this promise that my God does not slumber or sleep and so my foot will not slip. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. It makes it possible for me to be helped by God makes it possible for you. And so we celebrate the wonder of God's help, but let us remember the cost. Let us remember that it's free to us, but it cost him everything. That on that cross, Jesus said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I am without help so that you can receive it. Free for you. Cost him everything. So when you see Psalms like this, your heart should fill with gratitude to Christ. Because we don't deserve his help. It was bought for us. 
every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you don't know this helper. You don't know this protector. But his love for you is so complete that he has arranged this moment. This is not an accident that you are in this room. He has set it up. But though you weren't even looking, he comes for you and says, I want to be your help. I want to pay the price of you becoming my child. So if you were in that number where you're even sensing that sense that God wants to help you and pull you in closer into an intimate relationship with him if you don't know him, I would love for you to come forward so I can pray for you. So we can share with you more about this one who is the help of us all. All of us at that time had to come and say, Lord, I need your help. I can't save myself. So is there one today who would love to meet the one who is the help? Just slip your hand in the air. We'd love to talk to you and share more with you about him today. Well, maybe you're in a different number. Maybe you are in that fold, the ones who have been helped at salvation. But maybe you are struggling. You have been wrestling with maybe some false helps, some side helps. Or maybe you're having a hard time believing that the way that he is choosing to help you is truly good. Maybe you're finding it hard to believe that he will work all things together for your good. I've been there. In some ways, I am there. I would love to pray for you. As a fellow brother who is dependent on God's help, in need of his help, Come on down. We'd love to pray for you. We got time. Let's cry out together. Let us say together, where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Let's cry out to the one who promises to be right by our side. The one who promises to protect us. Both our coming and our going. Both now and forever. Let us lay claim to this wonderful word. Let us make it real in our experience by trusting in him, by acknowledging him, by running to him. Let us pray. Oh Lord, the one who is our help, we your people come to you in need, Lord, unashamed of our need, for all have need. All must come to the one who is the help, the one who is the maker of heaven and earth. And so we come boldly to the throne of grace, laying claim to what Jesus has done for us and opening a way. The curtain has been torn, and so we can come and plead for help. We lay claim today to our strong God, our God that does not tire, our God that does not weaken. We cry out, O oh Lord, strengthen us. Lest our feet slip, O oh Lord, provide stability. From your unending resource, pour out on your people your help. 
Be a strength for them. Be a comfort for them right by their side. Forgive us, O oh Lord, from running to other sources. Help us to like the taste of your help. Help us to forsake the other sources. We plead, O oh Lord, knowing that you hear, knowing that even our ability to cry out to you is an evidence of your help. Knowing that you have promised that you will never leave, you will never forsake, that you're with us even to the end of the age. Knowing that you promise to be with us both now and forever. We, your people, lay claim, O oh Lord, to your help. Would these standing here experience your help in a real way? Would they walk with you? Would you strengthen them? Would you deliver, O oh Lord? Be their help. Be my help. Name of Christ our Savior, our true help, we pray. Amen. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of Pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully, the Word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.